Good evening. Hi, this is David Driver, the sports editor of the Daily News Record in Harrisonburg, Virginia. I'm here with Shane, who's the beat writer covering JMU basketball, men and women. Good to see you, Shane. Hope you had a good holiday. Yeah, yeah, had a good one. Um, yeah, made it back to Harrisonburg today. I was on a train most of the day, but um, yeah, as we, as we record this, you'll probably, if anybody's listening to this, they'll probably catch it maybe uh what day is today is Friday, so you might catch this Saturday morning before you head to uh, head to some basketball games. So, we'll ho- hopefully, we'll get some good information out there. And you didn't have to sit in traffic, so I mean that that's a plus for you, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I actually I liked it because yeah, I kind of made it my work day. <laughs> get started early, and you can sit there on the train and type and you're not worried about all the driving and everything so it worked out pretty well for me this time around well i hope you got some relaxation during the holidays because you're going to be busy the next next few days here in harrisonburg with lots of basketball coming up ca uh regular season is getting ready to get started for the men so sort of walk us through the next few days here in harrisonburg with jmu basketball yeah um so the jmu men they get started with um the two defending champions in the CAA, Hofstra, won the regular season last year. Northeastern knocked them off in the tournament to go to the NCAA tournament. Uh, those are two programs that have, you know, solid long-term coaches there that are, have them in the mix every year. So Jamie doesn't really get to ease into this uh, conference race in that regard. Uh, in between there, the women have their one last uh, non-conference game against uh, <clears throat> Robert Morris and, you know, Kind of one last little tune-up before they go for uh, the CAA championship that they should be favored to win. Well, let's start with the women. Even though their conference play doesn't start for a few more days, they're 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 always up there and they're picked to win it this year. Um, you know, pretty impressive just from reading your stories. I mean, they almost beat Maryland. They played Virginia really really tough in Charlottesville. What what have you seen from the women so far this year? Yeah, um, you know, you mentioned that game against Maryland. I think. You know, if you talk to Sean O'Regan, the women's basketball coach, he might still say that that was their best game, even though it was one of the two that they've lost um, for 35 minutes or so. They just really dominated a uh, top 15 team in Maryland, um, kind of showed <clears throat> what their ceiling could mm-hmm. be this year. And when you look at the roster with they had the five seniors coming back who were their five leading scorers last year, um, you knew they had a lot of talent. They added some talent and depth this year uh, with you know freshmen like Kiki Jefferson coming in and making an immediate impact. Uh, you know the real question mark coming in was just what they were going to do with the point guard position, where mm. Logan Reynolds, not a big scorer for that team, but really kind of made everything go. Mm. What they were going to do in the point guard situation there, and um, for the most part, it's been Kamaya Smalls handling the ball a lot as more of a scoring type of point guard. So it's a different look for the team, but they've, you know, really figured out how to make it work for them. Mm. You know, looking at their schedule, um, they've had a lot of gaps in their schedule. And and that happens probably for a lot of schools with the exams and things like that. But, you you know, one of your stories talked about coach wanting to focus on some things during those practice sessions. What, What have you seen after that? And, of course, they've had a break coming into the weekend as well here. Yeah, you know, some of the things they just focused on is they they put a couple teams that you know frankly wanted to kind of you know dirty it up a little bit not to play dirty but mm-hmm. you know to muck it up turn it into a rock fight type mm-hmm. of game where it was going to be low scoring situation when they played uh, Virginia and South Florida uh, Central Florida excuse me they played mm-hmm. South Florida last year uh, right <laughs> get those mm-hmm. mixed ups but um, you know they they got through those games they split with those two two solid teams. Mm-hmm. Uh, but those are games where they scored in the 40s, and they mm-hmm. weren't exactly happy with that because they know they have some offensive firepower. They want to 
kind of be able to establish their own tempo. Um, and that's something they're going to see when they get into CAA play. A team mm. like Drexel is going mm. to want to slow it down on them a lot. And, then, you know, when you look at who probably their biggest challengers for the CAA title are going to be, that's, you know, the Drexel Dragons have kind of been right there behind them for the last couple of years and have a lot of returning talent. Mm. And, you know, being able to handle somebody who wants to slow down on you, that's, you know mm. – a good test early on to see sure. if they can do that. Before we start talking about the, the, the men, let's talk about the CA women this year. You had a good story the other day looking around the league, some of the better wins by CA teams, some of the not-so-good wins. What, do you, what are you seeing and what are you hearing so far in the CAA? Well, I mean, on the women's side, it's been a little bit disappointing across the league outside of JMU just because you look at what was coming back. Uh, JMU, we talked about what they brought back. Drexel finished second in the regular season. They brought basically everybody back, including the conference player of the year, Bailey Greenberg. Um, <clears throat> Towson brought back so many players from that team that won the CAA tournament. UNCW brought back a lot. Delaware brought back a few players, but then also got uh, Nicole Inabazi back, who had missed all last season after winning the CAA player of the year. So you look at Two CAA players of the year, plus Kamaya Smalls has been the preseason player of the year twice. And, you know, most people tend to think she probably should have won the CAA player of the year last year. There's right. so much talent. I think, you know, people were looking at this. Could this be like a two, maybe even three bid league? They're going to play some challenging non conference games. And then <clears throat> outside of JMU and to a certain degree Drexel, everybody's kind of not, you know, held up there into the bargain. You know, Delaware continues to battle um, injuries, and Abasi has not played in every game, and they just look like a completely different team whether mm-hmm. she's playing or not. Um, they were somebody I kind of had as sort of a dark horse to challenge JMU if mm-hmm. they're healthy, but they really haven't been. Um, UNCW hasn't played quite as well trying to figure out you know, how to mix some new people into the mix. Um, Drexel, they, they've played a really tough schedule. Drexel's mm-hmm. played one of the, the right. tougher schedules in the country. Um, so they're sitting at 6-5. and five. They're in fine shape. <clears throat> but you look at it right now, if JMU and Drexel want to have any chance at, you know, at at-large bid, they're kind of counting on each other because mm-hmm. they're going to be the only real quality wins they get a chance for mm-hmm. just because of what teams have done in a non-conference, which is kind of underachieved to a degree, mm-hmm. I, I think. We, lastly, maybe on the women's side, the, it's a long ways away, but the tournament's in Elon this year. It's rotated in different spots in the last few years. Um, just any early thoughts on, on the tournament being at Elon uh, in March? Um, you know, I haven't been down there yet. They say that's a you know beautiful building that I think opened last year. Uh, so that should be fun. And um, it's a place where I think they get a decent amount of support at Elon. Mm-hmm. They've been down a little bit on the women's side, mm-hmm. but um, it should be a pretty – good turnout i think for a tournament there um in a nice building i know it's always kind of a question for the women whether they enjoy playing it on these on-campus sites or they like to have kind of a neutral site i know sean o'regan has mentioned to me he always liked when they had it in uh is it one of the suburbs there in Maryland. I can't Upper Marlboro. Yeah, yeah. Th- that's mm-hmm. where they, they've had it before. Right. Mm-hmm. He said, you know, he liked that venue. Mm-hmm. Some other coaches in the league kind of didn't like just the perception of playing in something that's used for horses <laughs> yeah, other parts yeah, of the year. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but he thought it was a nice place to play in a you know, neutral site in the middle of the conference. Mm-hmm. 
well, you know, I'm sure we'll get into it later. The sure. DC location for the men seems like right. it's going to work out pretty well. Um, he liked that, but you know, you also it works out for um, <clears throat> teams. You know, JMU is going to be hosting this in their new arena here soon, coming right. up. Um, so when the teams have a good support, good following, if they're also having a good season, then that can make for a real nice atmosphere sure, on sure. the campus yeah. thing. Yeah. Well, let's let's turn to JMU men and, and the CA men. Um, boy, the Dukes really have two tough uh, teams coming in here right off the bat uh, th- this weekend. So just sort of talk about and J- let's before we get into CA, just the non-conference play that JMU has had. They've been really up and down, haven't they? Yeah. Um, and it's. You know, it seems like it turns on a dime sometimes what the perception of this team. You know, I was just looking through the schedule so far for each team in the conference, and you look at JMU, and not that long ago we were saying, oh, man, they've lost, you know, two of three. They don't Mm. look that good. And then they turn around, and now they've won three of four. And it only took a couple of games in Mm. a week to kind of completely change the way you're looking at the way they're playing. And that's been that way for a couple of years with this team now mm-hmm. um you know the big question mark is are they old enough are they mature enough is Luro in here establishing his system what he wants mm-hmm. to do has he been here long enough that we can expect more consistency you, you know they're not going to win every game and you know right. when you're dealing with college kids there's going to be games where they just you know don't show up or something else is happening and you know they don't play their best every time out they're not professionals but you want to see it more often than not, which has been kind of, you know, not the case for a couple of years since Lou's been here. Um, now that they've got some, you know, they're still a young team. They're playing a lot of freshmen, but their leadership are guys who have been playing big minutes for three years now. Mm-hmm. And you want to see them kind of be able to push them in that direction where they respond to adversity a little bit better mm-hmm. than they have in the past. You did a really good story on Matt Lewis this week. He's, he's, you know, really good numbers across the board, really versatile player from what it sounds. Um, what about other people? Obviously, you need more people than one, but just kind of how does he fit in with the team chemistry as a, as a junior this year? Yeah, I mean, I think team, team chemistry has been great. And, you know, that junior class um, that's kind of the core of this team this mm-hmm. year with Matt and then Darius Banks has been an all-league type mm-hmm. player. Um, <clears throat> Dwight Wilson really came on last year. And then Zach Jacobs, who... Uh, has dealt with some injuries since mm-hmm. he's been here, and he's kind of having his little breakout early on this season. That group has been together. They've had to play significant minutes since they were freshmen, and they were kind of just taking it on the mm-hmm. chin at that point. Um, they've they've kind of built for this. Um, so that you know core group right there, the ones that you know you. I don't even know if supporting cast is the right. Right. Or Matt is clearly the statistical leader. Right. He's been the leading scorer for quite a while now of that group. <clears throat> but he's kind of added to his ability to distribute the ball. And, you know, he clearly made rebounding a huge focus mm-hmm. in the offseason. He's, you know, put up some, you know, tremendous offense or tremendous rebounding numbers mm-hmm. for a guard. I mean, he's, you know, by far the leading rebounder among guards in the conference right now. Um, so he's been consistent. It's when they get those bigger games from, you know, Darius Banks to go along mm-hmm. with it. When they're both hot, JMU is a very tough team mm-hmm. to beat. If they can get, you know, 17 from Matt and 15 from, you know, Darius and then add in 10 or 8 or something from the other guys, 
that's when they're a really mm. tough team to beat, especially if they can, you know, play consistently on the defensive end. You've gotten to see them in person against some really good road games. You know, they played at George Mason. George Mason is off to a fabulous start. You saw them at Radford. Radford, you know, won the conference last year. Um, just what in the times you've seen them, what's impressed you when they're when they are doing well? Yeah, I mean, you mentioned that George Mason game in particular. You look at that game, you look at the first half at Virginia, those are losses that they took, but they actually saw some things that were promising in those losses. They didn't shoot the ball well at all at George Mason. And I felt like otherwise, I think, you know, George Mason fans probably got tired of me saying this. Mm-hmm. I kept saying, like, you know, JMU feels like they're playing well to mm-hmm. win this game. They just aren't making their shots. And they did kind of outplay George Mason in a lot of respects, mm-hmm. not the most important one, which is putting the points on the board. Right. But you kind of had to come away from that game feeling like, okay, there's been some improvement here mm-hmm. based on what they've done in the past against Mason. Um, but then you turn around, the other game you mentioned was Radford, and that was the game where they just, you know, basically didn't show up or mm-hmm. didn't – they showed up actually. They played well for the first five to ten minutes of that game, and it was the final 30 where just, you know, they lost focus. They didn't do the things they needed to do on the defensive end. And, you know, what frustrated Lou Rowe the most was he felt like they'd gotten to the point where they were trying to outscore people. We want to win a game 90-85. Mm-hmm. He wants to see them win a game 75-70. Right. And <clears> – <throat> That's something they were struggling with for a time. And then they came back and won two games in a row and, you know, played that way. And so now they're heading into the conference with that kind of momentum. It's the question is, do they do it again? Do, can they do that for a four or five, six game stretch, which is what they haven't been able to do? since, you know, these guys have been on campus. Sure. We'll, we'll set up the weekend for us, Shane. Um, you know, two really good teams coming in here. And I guess the big question is, will we know a lot about the Dukes come late Monday night after two CAA games? I I think we will. And, it, you know, if they can get a win or two here, that's a good start to the conference play. You know, we, we talked about it. They're playing Hofstra, which kind of, you know, rolled through the regular season, um, looked like the favorite to go to the NCAA tournament last year and has a lot of guys back. They lost, obviously, um, the CEA Player of the Year, Justin Wright Foreman, who's, you know, excelling in the uh, G League and, you know, getting a chance in the pros. Uh, But they've got a lot of scores back. They added um, some – they added a transfer from Georgia who's kind of helped them in the paint. Uh, They're just, once again, a really solid offensive Mm -hmm. team. They are a little bit like – we saw it last year when Jamie went up to Long Island and played them and – that game went to overtime. Yeah. It was a really high-scoring yeah. mm-hmm. game. So JMU can kind of fall into that trap of getting into that you know, mm-hmm. situation of running with them and doing what Lou doesn't like to see, and mm-hmm. we're going to outscore you. Um, if they can play a little bit better defense, they've shown an ability to hang with Hofstra just because of the way the teams match up the size. They've done as well against Hofstra as almost anybody in the CAA the last couple of years. So it'll be interesting to see if they can do that again and you know maybe get off to a solid start. And, you know, you win a game or two against these teams, Hofstra and Northeastern, you kind of almost have a leg up as far as you know, trying to get in those top three or four seeds and, you know, get yourself into a better position when you get mm-hmm. to the CA tournament where, you know, kind of anything can happen over a weekend. Sure. And the Huskies from Northeastern come in here Monday night. We know they're going to be well coached. They've made the title game in the past. Um you know, it's they're up in Boston. You may obviously haven't been able to see them in person, but from reading scores and box scores, what have you seen about Northeastern so far? Yeah, I mean, Bill Cohen, when you mentioned he's 
you know, one of the best coaches in this conference and always has Northeastern ready to compete at the CAA level. Um, they're another team that lost some of their main guys from last year. Uh, Vasa Pasika was, you know, kind of their go-to guy for a couple mm-hmm. of years. He's gone. Jordan Rowland stepped into kind of that main scoring role. Started off the season incredibly hot. Has kind of come back down to earth a little bit. Still averaging what, 24 points a game. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, he had some, you know, 30, 40 point games to start the season mm-hmm. to kind of, you know, boost that scoring average. And he's, you know, been down <clears throat> in, you know, the 15 point per game range mm-hmm. lately. But they've been winning some games also lately. They, their team. When you look at how they've started the season, it's comparable to JMU mm-hmm. where, you know, they beat a solid mid-major like a Harvard and you think, okay, they're looking pretty good. And then they lose, you know, a few games that you're kind of scratching your head like, well, they've got some things mm-hmm. they need to work out and they mm-hmm. need to get a little more consistent. So perhaps JMU is catching them at the right time. We talk about, you know, are they starting off, you know, <clears throat> behind the eight ball a little bit because mm-hmm. they're playing these teams. Maybe they're catching a team like Northeastern at the right time as they yeah. try to work some uh, new people into this and still a young mm-hmm. season so far. Yeah, well, Hoster is picked, you know, picked by coaches and in, in media to win it. JMU is picked fourth by, I think, several people, Street and Smith and, and the CA. What about the rest of the league? Um, you wrote about this again the other day, kind of, uh, you know, some of the best wins so far, some of the, the worst losses so far in the CAA. Yeah, I mean, you look at a team like uh, Charleston, they're, you know, Know, sitting right around 500, but they've played a really tough schedule. They've lost games to Oklahoma State. They lost to Central Florida twice, I believe. Um, but they've, you know, have some solid wins in the mix there, too. Mm-hmm. They look like they're probably going to be a competitor, as always. You know, <clears throat> we, we talk about the coaches, and college basketball is kind of the coach's game because they're the one right. constant through the years. And, you know, as long as Earl Grant, as long as Joe Mihalik, along as Billy Cohen, are mm-hmm. in this conference, those three teams are going to be competitive. Maybe they won't win it every right. year, but they're never yeah. going to be, you know, struggling the way like a UNCW is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so those three teams have had their solid non-conference, and Hofstra mm-hmm. has obviously been hot here recently. Uh, Delaware got off to a really good start, mm-hmm. but they were playing a weaker schedule. They've still been, like, fairly competitive mm-hmm. in some games, but they're not um, – playing quite as well as they were early in the season. You kind of wonder, they added, um, at the semester break, they added Dylan Painter, mm-hmm. who is a transfer from Villanova. Very talented. He's going to, I think, do some good things for them. But then, you know, that's always a question mark, how you add somebody at midseason and right. make it work. And So maybe there's a little bit of kinks to work out in mm-hmm. that regard because they're playing three really good transfers along with you know some of the guys they had coming back. But <clears throat> Delaware should be another team that's kind of in the mix for this. And, you know, JMU so far, I have them as a team that's capable of doing it. Um, Towson, too, they're mm-hmm. um, a team that's they're sitting around 500, but they've got, you know, some close losses at Florida and mm-hmm, places, right. and they've looked really good yeah. at times. Uh, really, the only teams that you kind of shake your head about right now are UNC Wilmington, where they've just – They've got some trouble on their hands, and you know, CB McGrath has yeah, you, got a lot of work to do there. Yeah, you might want to mention that they got some bad news earlier in the week as well. Yeah, um, yeah, they've they've struggled. They've only beat two Division One teams so far, um, and then uh, their point guard Kai Taos, who um, is from Japan, mm-hmm. came over had a really nice freshman season, uh, set the conference record for assists mm-hmm. as a freshman. Um, 
but wasn't putting up the same kind of numbers so far this year. And then uh, when they hit their semester break, he announced he was going to head back to Japan and uh, attempt a professional career there. That That's potentially a big blow for them. But at the mm-hmm. same time, things weren't really working. So maybe mm-hmm. a shakeup was what they needed mm-hmm. if uh, things weren't working. We'll, we'll see how that goes. But it's been a rough start for – it's been a rough start to his head coaching career for C.B. McGrath, you know, frankly, since he yeah. came as a, from a North Carolina assistant to getting his That's shot right. at UNCW. And then Elon, they're simply in rebuilding mode. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've <clears throat> mentioned that UNCW has only won two games against the Division One competition. Elon's only won one. Uh, this is just going to be kind of a rough season for them, but they have a first-year head coach in Mike Scroggy, mm-hmm. who was an assistant at Butler in Ohio State for a long time, and, and was an assistant at Duke even going you know back several mm-hmm. years. Um, so he, he's worked under some of the best coaches around, <clears throat> hit the ground running, recruiting. Three of their four leading scorers are freshmen, so the future is bright there. You know, you, you can't judge them too harshly on a win-loss record in his first season. So mm-hmm. there's there's a little more reason for optimism there compared yeah. to, you know, UNCW, no matter what happens mm-hmm. this season. I'll, you know, I guess I'm going to ask you, what, what are you most looking forward to in the CA season? Anything, you know, you, you alluded to maybe a surprise team. What are you kind of curious to see what might happen? I think it, we know that it's it's a one-biz league, right? I mean, it's been that way for a while. Do you think that makes it harder for coaches to, you know, you're, it's, it's, you know, one of the, in terms of 12 schools, I mean, that's a lot for a one-biz league. Does that make it difficult, do you think, for coaches, knowing that that's the case? Yeah, I mean, I think it does to a certain degree, especially when you get to the point. Well, we can talk about JMU first because yeah. – you know, there's always fans who maybe have kind of outrageous expectations, mm. but I think the more level-headed JMU fans mm. are simply wanting mm. to see progress, a winning conference mm. record, a winning overall mm. record, being a competitor and a challenger in this league. It doesn't necessarily have – if they can put together that run mm. at the tournament and mm. make it to the NCAA tournament, that's great. That's amazing. Right. Right. But they want to see them take the step to being a team that mm. you think has a chance to do that. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> For a coach, you know, like uh, you know Joe, Joe Mahalik at Hofstra, mm-hmm. where they did everything right for the entire season last mm-hmm. year, and then they get beat by another good team in the conference championship game, mm-hmm. that you know that can be very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Right? You know, you think, you know, frankly, the league has done a pretty good job for as down as it's been recently, and the fact that it is you know basically going to be a one-bid league mm-hmm. for the foreseeable future. They've mm-hmm. done a good job of keeping mm-hmm. their coaches around. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, mm-hmm. You know, you always wonder if a job like Boston College opens up, you know, Bill Cohen's name right. is right. certainly going to come up with mm-hmm. that. Um, There's even some speculation in the offseason when it looked like Providence was going to open mm-hmm. up that, you know, that'd be a mm-hmm. place for him. Um, but, you know, a guy like Earl Grant, he's at home at Charleston, right. so they've been able to keep him around. Mm-hmm. You know, obviously, an ACC job or something comes along that mm-hmm. the team has interest in him. It's going to be hard to keep somebody like that. But you look at the coaches mm-hmm. around the league, a lot of them seem to feel at home where they are, and mm-hmm. they've stuck around mm-hmm. and don't necessarily look at it as a, you know, simply a stepping stone, yeah. mm-hmm. which they might in other conferences. Yeah. And that's helped mm-hmm. with a little bit with consistency and mm-hmm. okay. making it, you know, making it a little bit better. It's mm-hmm. just been tough to kind of take that next step to where they were, you know, five, ten years mm-hmm. ago where it was considered one of the premier mid-majors. Sure. 
Well, let's get back to the Dukes as we wrap up. Is there any any men's player that kind of you've been impressed that maybe made a big stride in the first part of the season um, or a younger player that, that Lewis Rowe is going to really be counting on maybe in the, in the second part of the season? Yeah, um, we'll give you one of each. You know, Zach Jacobs, we talked about him mm-hmm. a little bit mm-hmm. earlier. Um, he was off to a really solid start to the season. Um, he's dealt with a little bit of a minor ankle injury that he's played through, so his stats haven't been, you know, quite the same. But he's still up there, you know, as an 8.6 rebound guy, really con- mm-hmm. really making a contribution. Um, and if they can get that kind of look from two post players – with you know you kind of you know what you get with Dwight Wilson he's a ten point ten rebound mm-hmm. guy he's, mm-hmm. he's been that now for a season and a half um, <clears throat> if they can get two post players contributing that way it's kind of what they've been lacking mm-hmm. here the last year or two um, so that that's a big one there um, as far as younger guys um, you know Michael Christmas is a guy who's you know come on and he's started from day one but he's really been putting on bigger stats here lately. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's been a little bit what was expected from him. So I'll uh, point, I guess, to uh, Julian Wooden, the other mm-hmm. in-state product who came in here and who's done some really nice things. Um, he's more of a role player at this point, but you look at a guy who may be going to be one of those major contributors two, three years down the line, mm-hmm. he's kind of taking those steps here early on and showing he's somebody that you could trust okay. to put on the okay. court even mm-hmm early in his career. Well, as we wrap up, you know, of course, we, we alluded to this earlier that the CA men's tournament will be in D.C. this year for the first time. It's been, I think, in Charleston, what, three years? Um, the last yeah, three years? I think so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it's obvious that, Jamie, will probably have more fans <laughs> in D.C. than they would in Charleston. But uh, beyond that, what what do you think that's going to mean? Is that going to mean the CA is even more wide open since, you know, one school isn't hosting it? Yeah, and I think it'll be, overall, I think it'll be a better atmosphere. I mean, Everybody loves to go to Charleston, but nobody really can. <laughs> for the, yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. Simply put, I mean, they got you know some pretty good. Obviously, the host school, Charleston, brought a decent crowd. And, right. You know, if UNCW was a little bit better, they've been down there. Team right. Would, you know, bring some people down there. But for the most part, you're going to see a good atmosphere because it's one a smaller building. Mm-hmm. So, Tickets are going to be a little bit harder to come by, and mm-hmm. it's going to be you know louder. It's going to feel full mm-hmm. compared you know even if it's not quite as many people, it's going to feel like we're playing in a full building yeah. compared to the ten thousand mm-hmm. seat you know hockey arena down there in Charleston. Um, and then also, it's going to be easier for most of the schools to get there. You, you mentioned you know JMU has. You know, it's a two-hour drive for us here, but then there's also it's a big alumni hub right, right. right there in D.C., mm-hmm. same for Towson, same mm-hmm. for William & Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, you know, easy, you know, it's easier to fly or take a train or whatever right, to right. get into D.C. Mm-hmm. if you're coming from Long Island or mm-hmm. Boston or, you know, lots of different places. Even, you know, Charleston, if they're in the mix to go to an NCAA tournament, that's a nice, you know, easy flight sure, from Charleston sure. to yeah. D.C. There's, mm-hmm. there's tons of flights the arena is close to the Reagan Airport, mm-hmm. and there's other options for you know getting into town. So I think it should be a much better crowd and much better atmosphere when they play up there. It should be should be fun situation. Yeah, great. Well, um, we're hoping to you know be on this uh, the beat for until we get to DC, and, and of course the women will be in Elon. Anything else, Shane? As you get ready for really a, a busy weekend of, of basketball um, here in Harrisonburg with both of the JMU teams. No, yeah, just a. Uh, Look forward to seeing them play again. It seems like it's been a little while with the different 
semester and holiday breaks. But uh, yeah, good good to see everybody at the convo again. Great. Well, thanks for joining us, and hopefully we'll uh, be doing this again soon. Thanks so much.